so well. Um, well, if you've arrived since the start of the meeting, welcome to our meeting here this morning. Uh, it's my great privilege to be able to welcome Jeremy Simpkins to come and speak with us uh, right now. Jeremy heads up Christ Central, which is the sphere of uh, what is New Frontiers, and it's moved into different spheres, different apostolic spheres, uh, with uh, different people heading up in different areas of the country and indeed the world. And Jeremy uh, heads up the sphere, which covers a number of uh, areas and a number of churches in the UK and also in Canada and over in Norway, and I think maybe reaching into Africa now. Um, which is fantastic. So it's a great privilege to have Jeremy come and speak to us. Let's give him a very warm welcome right now. I've got my water, but in honour of Arnold, I probably won't use it, but it's there. I know he really didn't like that. I don't, don't really understand. I remember in his preaching classes many times he said, uh, you don't need water when you're preaching. But it's one of those things, if you tell someone you don't need it, it's a, it can be a bit of a problem, so it's there. <laughs> well, what a privilege to be here this morning. Uh, thank you so much for allowing us to be part of this weekend. It was an amazing time yesterday, wasn't it? It was just a phenomenal time of real tenderness in God, and yet real passion and real stirring in the church as we honoured the life well lived that was Arnold Bell. But we also honoured all that Arnold had built and lived for in the church. And this church now is a living testimony, a living example, a living provocation as to all that Arnold believed and all that Arnold lived for. And for me, when I heard that Arnold had died, for me, the phrase that came is, he has run a good race. And it was interesting. I had the real privilege, Anne and I had the real privilege of being with you on that Monday night What an amazing event. I've never been to anything like that in my life on that Monday evening when we'd obviously heard the sad news uh, that Arnold had died, but the church gathered together to be the church together, to love one another, to uh, care for one another, to weep with those who weep, to mourn with those who mourn, and yet to strengthen one another in God. And uh, I'll never forget those songs we sang and how we fixed our eyes on Jesus. And I would say I felt the presence of God in that setting probably more than I've done for a very long time. And it was an amazing time down in your uh, basement uh, hall there as we remembered and as we worshipped the Lord Jesus. But the phrase that kept coming back, and it kept coming back time and time again that evening, is that Arnold had fought the good fight. He'd won the race. He'd finished well. And if you've read the tributes, many of you have put your excellent tributes on that page that Esther so well set up. Thank you, Esther, for doing that. That phrase again came time and time again. It caused me to go back to the scriptures. That's kind of a good example that Arnold would uh, honour. Go back to the word, look afresh. And I went back to the word and just looked afresh at the three or four passages that talk about us running the race. So if you've got a Bible here, why don't you turn to me, turn with me to 1 Corinthians and chapter 9. And uh, there's many passages that we'll refer to today that talk about the Christian life being like a race. But this, to me, said what I, I felt God was speaking this morning. Uh, so let's just read it. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verses 24 through to 27. Do you not know that in a race 
all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it a slave so that after I've preached to others, I will not be disqualified for the prize. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we say we love you this morning. We thank you for your beautiful church. And we thank you for your spirit with us this morning. We thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you that these are not just black dots on a white page, but this is the living, breathing, speaking, communicating word of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the word of God. And you want to speak and to communicate with us this morning. We ask you to come and do that. In Jesus' name. It's ever so interesting how Paul refers to the Christian life like that of a race, like that of runners who enter into a race. Verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run? I don't know whether you, like me, have been inspired this year by the Olympics, or rather last year, by the Olympics and the Paralympics. I don't know. Did you enjoy that? Did you enjoy the amazing display? I, I thought, I mean, Mo Farah, for me, in the Olympics was just a star. I mean, it's, it, it's the law to do that. Um, <clears throat> it, it, he was just a star for me. And to see him running and competing, to see the utter surprise on his face. Do you, do you remember that when he won that, the gold medal? Utter, he couldn't believe it as he pressed through and won. And then the other star for me was a guy who actually didn't, I don't know if he won many medals, but his name was Oscar Pistorius. Do you remember the guy? He competed in both the Olympics and the Paralympics. He was the only one to do that. And he was the guy with no legs. And he had those appendages that were made of, I guess, carbon fiber or something like that. And he was able to run both in the Olympics and in the Paralympics. It was just inspiring, wasn't it? It was just stirring to sit as I sat on my couch and watched the runners run. Thereby lies a bit of the problem, because most of us, if we're honest, are probably more like spectators than we are runners. I'm sure in this fine body of a church here, we have some fine runners. We have some people who would run. Obviously, this city is famous for some of its athletes, and I'm sure some of you are athletic, but looking around, I'm confident that you're not all that athletic. And there's one or two... There's one or two a little bit like me, but you just imagine this. Imagine last summer, imagine June, July, you've actually been picked to go to the Olympics. You've been picked to go and uh, you've got your ticket there and you're going to go and you're going to... it's that gold, is it called Golden Saturday, was it? And uh, you're going to go and you're going to see what's going on and you've got your ticket for it. You go down to London, you're welcomed by the games makers. They bring you right in and then you come into the top of the stadium as you so often do in these things and you're, you're thinking, now where is my seat? And just imagine that you're going down further and further and you're thinking, this is good. My seat must be brilliant. My seat must be fantastic. I'm getting nearer the front. I'm going to see the action like no one else is going to see. This is amazing. We're actually going out onto the stadium now. We're actually going out onto the grass. Where where are we going now? 
And, oh no, we've got this, we've got an amazing place for you. Now just stand up here. Now if you'd just like to take your uh, tracksuit off and we'll put these on for you. Now when the gun goes, we want, what do you mean when the gun goes? I, I thought I'd come to watch. No, actually, this is the Christian life. We have not come to spectate. We have not come to look. We've not come just to watch. We are in a race. And God has called us and given us a race to run. This is what Paul says in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. If only I may finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus gave me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's race. And as Mark referred to on that Monday night when we gathered here to pray for one another, to pray for the family, to worship God together on that day that Arnold died, Mark read out this scripture, which provoked me so much. It was some of the last words of Paul. Some people's last words are important. I think some of the last words that Arnold said is, I'm still fighting. Don't believe the doctors, believe the word. <laughs> so the last words are important. And these are some of the last recorded words of Paul. He said this, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. Or probably a better translation is, I finished the course. Yesterday was a wonderful Thanksgiving, wasn't it? Of a man who'd run a good race. A man who'd finished well. I genuinely believe that Arnold has now received that well done, good and faithful servant. But dear friends, this is now no longer about Arnold's race. This is about our race. Okay, you have a unique race. Verse 24, it says, all of us have our own race to run. It says in verse 24, only one will get the prize. Now, some people confuse this scripture and think, well, is it in a race? Are we competing against one another? Let me say right from the outset, this is not about competition with one another. This is about you running your unique race. Some of the scriptures that Mark quoted right at the end of his excellent word yesterday were these from Hebrews. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So everybody here in this room has a unique race. Arnold had a unique race. He's finished his course. Mary still has a unique race to run. It's going to be different now. It's going to be that it's taken a different course. It's taken a different turn. You have a unique race to run. Noah built an ark. Moses led a people through the Red Sea. Arnold pioneered City Church. You have a race to run. There's something unique in God that he has for you that only you can do it. And it's no good saying... Like the Olympics, I'll go and watch somebody run the race. I took part in the Olympics by watching. No, you have to run. You have to finish the race that God has given to you uniquely. It's no good saying, well, I, I watched Arnold, now I'll watch Mark, or I'll watch Dan. They're, they're my competitors now. I'll, I'll kind of watch them run. No, you run. You run your race. You run that which God has called you to do. And don't look at others and say, oh, their race is rather difficult. Well, I'm glad I haven't got their race. Or don't look at others and say this. Their race is easy. Look at them. You don't know the hurdles I have to go over. You don't know the water jumps I have to go over. You don't know the bends and the twists and the turns. But look at them. It's all easy for them. It's just a nice, easy race. 
You don't know their race. You haven't got grace for their race. You've got grace for your race because God in his sovereignty, and didn't that come across yesterday so brilliantly, I felt, especially as Terry brought that about God's sovereignty, that Arnold speaking at London Bible College about God, the secret things belong to God. God is sovereign, but he's revealed things to us. And in God's sovereignty, he has managed to pick an individual race for you. And kids here as well, you've got an individual race, which is different from your mum and dad. It's different from your brothers and sisters. God has got something special and unique that only you can do. And God has spent all eternity preparing you for the unique race that he's prepared for you. He's matched the two together, the unique race and the unique person. That's what happens in the Olympics with some of our stars, like your local star here, Jess Ennis. You know, She was just ripe for the event that she took part in. And those two were well matched together. You got it in some of those rowers, didn't they? Catherine Grain, they were just ripe for the event. They just reached their peak at the time. The two had coalide, coalesced, collided, brought together. Don't do big words, Jeremy. (laughs) And God, in his sovereignty, has woven your life for uniqueness. The place where you were born, the parents that you were born to, the city and the setting that you were grown up, that you grew up in, the place where you were born again, the place where you were filled with the Spirit, the church that you're now part of, is all God uniquely weaving together a special race for you and for you alone. It says this in Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are God's workmanship. Well, that word there is masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In other words, there's a good race. There's something good. This is not a difficult, hard, awful It might be hard, it might be difficult, but it's not awful race for us to do. There's good works for us to do, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. This is the sovereign God who's prepared your unique race. Now, your race has just taken a very different turn. It's like that when you're running a long race. This isn't a hundred-yard sprint. This is the marathon And suddenly your race has taken a different turn, hasn't it? It's taken a turn that we didn't expect. It's taken a turn that we didn't expect together. But nevertheless, God has turned the course. God has changed the course. God has turned us around. And suddenly there's a new vista. There's a new view. What are we going to do? Are we going to settle back and say, I'll just watch how this pans out. I'll just see how Mark and Dan do. I'll just uh, see what happens here. Or are you going to say, no, I am going to run this race. I'm going to stir myself afresh in God. I'm going to receive more of his empowering Holy Spirit, and I'm going to run this race. I believe it's time for us to get up and run as to win the prize. Now, we don't talk a lot in churches about winning the prize. We don't talk a lot in churches, often, about rewards. But there is a prize to be won. There are rewards for you that are specific with your name on them. Let me tell you what the prize is. Well, let me tell you what it's not, first of all. It's not salvation. 
Salvation is not a prize to be won by us. Salvation is a prize that has already been won by the Lord Jesus. Salvation is not about our performance in the race. Salvation qualifies us for the race. This is a race for the saved. We get saved freely by his grace. There is no qualification for salvation. There is no earning salvation. Salvation, as we know, is a total free gift of God. It's available to any and every. It's available to anyone here this morning who doesn't yet know Jesus. You can know him as a free gift. You haven't got to earn it. You haven't got to do anything. You simply receive by faith, which of itself is a gift of God, freely given to you. It says this in Ephesians 2 verse 8. For it is by grace that you are saved, through faith. And this is not from yourself. It's the gift of God. He gives it freely. You never earn salvation. You never earn God's favour in that sense. His favour is freely given to you. The next verse in the Living Bible translation in Ephesians 2 verse 9 says this, Salvation is not a reward for the good we've done, so that none of us can take any credit for us for it. Salvation is a total free gift. So that's not the prize that Paul's talking about. That's not the prize that I'm talking about this morning. So what is the prize that we're running for? What is it that God is going to give to us as we finish the course, as we've run the race? Well, let's look at a few other scriptures that might give us a clue or a hint as to what that prize is. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10, it says this, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one might receive what is due to him for the things done, whether good or bad. So there is going to be a judgment for all of us. This is ever so important, Christians, that we understand the doctrine of rewards. We enter heaven, we enter the new eternity, the new heaven and the new earth, totally free as a gift totally freely because of what Jesus has done on the cross. It was his performance that earned us that, not our performance. We get in free because of what he's done. However, when we enter this race, there are rewards for us. Not for whether we've earned God's favour, but for how we've lived with what he's given us. Jesus told a story of a man who was given talents, a man who was given something. And in the end, the man has rewards for how he's invested that. God has given you something amazing in salvation. He's given you gifts. He's given you abilities. He's given you all sorts of things. And there will be, in eternity, rewards for how You have invested those, how you've used those, how you've run the race. That's why we can say Arnold has had his well done, good and faithful servant. He ran a good race. He finished well. He's entered into his master's reward. How about you? It's not often we talk about these things in church. It's very rare, actually. I I, I perhaps only once or twice preached on rewards before. But it's important that we understand it because it's right there throughout Scripture. I'll give you another one. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 to 15. Paul is talking about having a foundation of Jesus in your life. Having a foundation of being in Christ. And he says then, he goes on, If a man builds on this foundation 
using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, and that means it's big D, capital D, it means the day of the Lord, it means when Jesus returns, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it's burned up, he'll suffer loss, even though he himself will be saved as though escaping through the flames. So it's like this. When we enter eternity, just imagine this. We're entering eternity. Okay, we're entering in. And suddenly we realize that we're carrying something. We're entering in, but we're carrying something. We're carrying our life's work as a Christian. We're carrying the result of all the fruit of the ministry and the gifts that he's given us by his grace. He gave it freely to us, but we're carrying the fruit of it. We're carrying the result of it. And Paul says some are carrying things that are a little bit flammable. Wood, hay and stubble. Not too great. And we're welcomed in freely into heaven, into eternity, totally freely by what Jesus has done for us on the cross. However, as we enter heaven's gates, it's as if we pass through the fire tunnel. You know, people talk about a fire tunnel. This is a different kind of fire tunnel. Um, You're entering into this fire tunnel and it's not going to hurt you. It's not going to burn you, but it kind of tests what you've built in your life as a Christian. And suddenly... That which is wood, hay and stubble just gets burnt up and disappears. And it says you'll enter in freely. You'll get saved, but all that you've built with wood, hay and stubble will get burnt up. But it also says there's another kind of a life. And I believe this was an Arnold life. A life that didn't build with flammable things, wood, hay and stubble, perishable things but built with eternal values, built with gold, silver, and precious stones. And actually, if you take gold, silver, and precious stones through the fire, they're unaffected. In fact, sometimes they're even refined by it. And suddenly, we go through and we'll find that amazingly, our life's work is preserved. That which he's given us freely will become a great reward for us in eternity. These are sobering things. These are things that we need to allow to stir us. What's your life's work going to produce? Wood, hay, stubble, burned up, been a spectator? Or is it like Arnold's, I believe, going to produce gold, silver, and precious stones. We don't know what those rewards will be. Jesus hinted at it when he talked about the parable of the talents that I've already mentioned. And Jesus said one of the rewards, he hinted at it, one of the rewards would be this, Matthew 25, verse 23, about the servant who invested his talents, about the servant who did well, who saw a multiplication of what God had given to him freely by grace. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. 
Now I'll put you in charge of much. I believe with all my heart that's what Arnold's received in glory. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Now I'm going to put you in charge of much. If you search the scriptures, we haven't got time to look at it this morning, but if you search the scriptures, you'll find that there are hints that heaven and the new heavens and the new earth, and by the way, there'll be a new Sheffield, hallelujah, on some new hills, hallelujah. We won't be sitting around like fat cherubs on clouds, and some of us can say hallelujah to that. We'll have new bodies, or rather renewed bodies. There'll be activities for us to do in the new heavens and the new earth. The Bible hints that there'll be cities to rule over. There'll be angels to judge. There'll be activities for us to do. And I'm convinced that some of our rewards will be entering into new activities and the new heaven and the new earth. We don't know what they are. God has not revealed that to us. The secret things belong to the Lord. But he's given us enough to provoke us to run well. So some people say this, oh, the doctrine of grace, you get in free. It doesn't matter what you do with your life, does it? If you just get in free, if all your sins are wiped away, it doesn't matter how you live your life. Just go out there and do what you like and sin because it all gets wiped away. No, it really does matter. It matters how we live our life. There are rewards for us as to how we live this grace-filled life. And in case some of you say, oh, Jeremy, that's a bit altruistic, isn't it? You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't want a reward. The re- Actually, even Jesus was motivated by a reward. Let me give you a scripture to prove that. It says this in Romans. Sorry, it says this in, let me just get this right. It says this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. That was the reward. That kept Jesus going. The reward before him, the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So, dear friends, I believe this doctrine of rewards should do a couple of things to us. Number one, it should provoke us to run well. It should provoke us to run faster. It should provoke provoke Jesus even to go to the cross to give his life for us. And I believe it should provoke us. It should inspire us forwards. See, this is what the doctrine, Mark was talking about, the great hall of fame, wasn't he, in Hebrews. And some people think these are great cloud of witnesses that are looking at us, saying, how are they doing? Listen, let me... This may disappoint you. Arnold Bell is not looking at you anymore. He's not that interested in you right now. He's caught up in glory. He's looking at Jesus. And the things of this earth have grown very dim. Because he's enraptured with Jesus. The saints of old aren't looking at you. That's a wrong understanding of Hebrews 12. It's not that they're all looking at us peering down. Actually, we're looking at them... And they inspire us forward. So like Mark yesterday brilliantly spoke about Abraham. Abraham's life. Abraham's not looking at us. Abraham's life, though, provokes us to run forward. 
Arnold's not looking at us, but his life provokes us, stirs us. You say, if that man could run like that, with, with the difficulties that he had, with even the infirmities that he had, I can run. He ran his race by the grace God given him. I can run my race with the grace that God has given me. So knowing this motivates us forward. Verse 24, run in such a way as to win the prize. Run in such a way as to win the prize. Paul later says in verse 27, he doesn't want to be disqualified. Now you can be disqualified in races, can't you? You can do things that are not in the race format, that are not correct for the race. And you can trip yourself up. How? What sort of things could disqualify you from winning the prize? Does the Bible give us any hint of this? Yes, it does. In Galatians 5, verse 7, the same writer, Paul, writes this. You were running a good race, Galatians. You were doing really well. You were running really fast. Who cut into you? Who tripped you up? Is another version of that. And kept you from obeying the truth. The writer to the Hebrews, who we don't know who that is now. Arnold now knows who that is. But we don't know. I'm sure that would be a great delight to him to know who the writer of the Hebrews was. We don't know who that was. The writer of the Hebrews says, in verse 1 of chapter 12, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And dear friends, there are some things that I wouldn't be true as a preacher if I didn't warn you about. There are sins that trip us up. There are moral issues. There are places. There are things we look at. There are relationships that we can have. There are ways we use our money. There are attitudes of our heart that can trip us up. And the writer is provoking us, saying, Don't be disqualified. Don't let things trip you up. Right now at the beginning of this year, right now the day after that amazing Thanksgiving for Arnold, right now I want you to think about, are there issues in your life that are disqualifying you? Are there issues in your life that are tripping you up? Are there issues in your life that are causing you to fall and stumble? Dear friends, deal with them. Dear friends, get right now. Dear friends, this is the Christian doctrine of sanctification. If you're sinning, stop it. Stop doing it. We have the power and the grace of God that is available to us to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. That's the new birth that works in us. That's the new power of God. That's the power of resurrection life that is in the new birth. Don't say, this is too difficult for me. I can't give it up. Talk to someone. Get someone to pray with you. You will find grace to have victory in your race. You will. Don't say, this is too difficult. Stop that, which is wrong. Now, in the context of that word to the Galatians, it's legalism. Now, surely I don't have to teach this church about legalism. Surely I don't have to teach this church... That it's not by our performance that God is impressed. That he loves us freely as a grace gift. But that grace empowers us to run faster. That grace empowers us to say no to sin and yes to God. 
I love this little ditty that my old pastor taught me. It's John Bunyan's little verse that he taught his followers. And it goes like this. And it so shows the difference between the power of the law and the power of grace that works within us. And it goes like this. Everyone should learn this. This is, this is really good. Run, John, run, the law demands, but gives me neither legs nor arms. Better news the gospel brings. It gives me... <laughs> Let me learn that again. <laughs> Better news the gospel brings. It bids me fly and gives me wings. Let me say that again, because I muck that right up. <laughs> run, John, run, the law demands, but gives me neither legs nor arms. Better news the gospel brings. It bids me fly and gives me wings. Listen, the law, legalism, do this to impress God. Read this more. Do that more. God will only love you if you do this. You can really earn some points with God if you do that. The law is like saying to a man with no legs and no arms, who doesn't have Oscar Pistorius's <coughs> great inventions, run. Actually, all the man can do is roll. Without any legs or arms, you can't do a lot. And that's the law. It doesn't empower you. Better news the gospel brings. It bids us fly. It gives us a higher standard. It says run the race or fly the race. And it gives us wings. It empowers us to do it. Now, there's sin. There's legalism. There's also what I think would just be things that entangle us or trip us up. In the verse there in Hebrews, the writer of the Hebrews just talks about everything that hinders. And there are sometimes just things that hinder you. And they're not necessarily wrong. Paul later will write to the Corinthians, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial or constructive. And there are just some things in our lives that are not necessarily bad... They're not necessarily sinful. It's just that if we give ourselves to them consistently, we're not giving ourselves to Jesus and to our adoration of him. They can be leisure pursuits, hobbies, sports, television, fashion, music, classic buses. <laughs> it could be... I just threw that in, by the way. It could, be, it could be finances, our possessions. It could be our career. It could be ambition. It could be promotion at work. It could be relationships that are not necessarily wrong, but just divert us from the running of the race that God's called us. At this beginning of this year, what is the sin that entangles you? What is the hindrances that are in your life that you say, do you know what? This year I'm going to say no to that and yes to God. I'm going to put that to side so that I can run the race fully and give my life to it. So what we've said, knowing all this, it should motivate us to run forward. We should run in such a way as to get the prize. What can disqualify us? We've talked about getting tripped up. Let me give you one more. Losing your way. You can lose your way in a big race. I was talking to some marathon runners the other day who, in their training program, sometimes they got lost and added an extra five miles to their journey. Sometimes they kind of got lost and lost the five miles to their journey, found another way around. But sometimes you can get lost in the race sometimes. 
And I think there are some people here this morning who've just lost the way. You've just started to deviate. And you're in unfamiliar territory. You think, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel the right way to be going. But you don't know what to do. You're running. You think, what do I do? Where do I go? Listen, this morning, God is just drawing you back on course. He's bringing you back to Jesus. He's bringing you back to the church. He's bringing you back to family relationships. He's bringing you back to truth and righteousness and love. But do you know what? It's much easier... Let me give you, let me give you a living example of this. Let me, who should I pick? Let me pick someone who's just sitting there. Let me pick my friend Stuart. If, if I want Stuart to go over to see Mark, he, 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 let's put it this way, in the nicest possible way. Stuart and I may not be the guys who are competing with Mo Farah, you know. So, to move him physically is, it could be quite difficult. You know, I possibly could get him over my shoulders with a fireman's lift. Possibly, you know, I possibly could roll him, I possibly could shove him, I possibly could do, to get him to mark, for me, who's not that strong, could be quite difficult. But if Stuart is already, if you do this for me, already getting up and say he's moving over to Simon here, he's going the wrong way, Stuart, you're going the wrong way. Look how easy. <laughs> Look how easy. Look how easy it was for me to bring him to the truth. <laughs> or Mark Rushworth as we call him. Thank you, Stuart. <clears throat> It's much easier to, thank you Stuart, it's much easier to move a moving object. You're already in the race, you're already moving, you've just got lost a bit. And this morning, gently, by the Holy Spirit, Jesus is coming and just nudging you. You were going to Simon, nothing wrong with Simon, (laughs) but you were going slightly the wrong way. Now he's nudging you back the right way by the Spirit so that you'll be back on track. You'll be running the race. Isaiah 30, verse 21. And it's interesting. We often quote this scripture. I've seen great posters with walkways through the woods with this poster on, with this verse on. And it says, this is the way, walk ye in it. Have you, you know that scripture? You know that one? You've seen, this is the way. It actually says this. If you turn to the left or the right, in other words, if you deviate off the plan, Your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. Okay, so that's not a pretty poster for, oh, this is the way, walk ye in it. It's if you go wrong, if you get deviated, if you get knocked off course, if somehow in the race you've taken the wrong track, you hear a voice behind you. You're hearing a voice today saying, come back, this is the way, walk in it. And there may even be some people who are backslidden Christians here this morning. Who this weekend, because of what you've seen yesterday in a life well lived, because of what you're hearing today about coming back, today is a day to commit yourself back to the church. Because we run best in the pack. We run best in community. The friends I was talking to in their runners club very rarely go out running alone. They have their race to run, but they run together in community. And God has called the church to be the place where we run together in community. Come back to the church. My last point is this. Ultimately, the key to successful running is keeping your eyes looking ahead. Don't look down. You'll actually fall over. Look up. And this is what the writer to the Hebrews says to us. Let us run the race fixing our eyes 
on Jesus. The thing that I remember most about Arnold is his big view of a big God. His, his honour of the scripture was because it talked about the greatness of God. His love of the church was because it, we were the bride of Christ. And Arnold ran with his eyes fixed on Jesus. Arnold ran with his motivation being that he would one day see his Lord. Now, how about you? Are you running with your eyes fixed on Jesus? I believe it's actually our love for Jesus and our motivation to live for him and to bring glory to Jesus that actually keeps us in the race year after year after year. We've Anne and I have had some interesting turns in our life over the last few years. I've shared some of this at North. I won't share it all today. But when we found out we couldn't have children, that was a huge turn in the road for us. That was a huge course correction. We'd set our course as a young couple to have children, to have a family. We, we got picked names for kids and talked about, you know, what, how we would bring kids up and talked about what we would do. And, you know, we, we were running a course and suddenly that course was corrected in the sovereignty of God. I don't understand that the secret things belong to the Lord, but I do know it was His course for us. And I did find His peace, His sovereignty, His grace in it. Just this last 18 months, as you know, for 18 months of the day, my sister suffered a massive brain hemorrhage and looked like she would die overnight. She didn't. She survived, but she's still severely disabled. It's been a mass, had a massive impact in our lives. But do you know what's kept us running? Is having a big view of a big God and God's sovereignty and keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Not understanding. Jesus, why have you changed the race? I thought it was a nice straight bit, but suddenly it's going uphill and a curve. Why is it doing that? Lord, I don't know. I don't understand. But I trust you and I'm looking at you and you're still beckoning me on. You're still saying, come on, Jeremy, run the race. Come on, church, run the race. Come on, let's run together. Draw me after you, it says in Song of Solomon, and let us run together. Or to put it another way, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. For Christ's love compels us. I can't help but run the race, can you? I can't help but live for him, can you? I can't help but do his will. I can't help but keep on track. Whatever life throws at me, whatever difficulties and trials and troubles, whatever the road twists this way or that way, I can't help it because the love of Christ, love of Jesus, fixing my eyes on him, motivates me forward, keeps me running. My message to you this morning, dear church, is well done. You've run well these last few weeks. Well done, Mark and Debbie. Well done, Dan and Rachel. Well done, church. You've run well. Now is not a time to sit back and settle. Now is a time to allow. This would give the greatest glory to God. And this would give, I believe, if Arnold were alive today, the greatest pleasure to him, that his life would act as a provocation and an example to us to keep running the race, to keep on track, to get back in it and run for God. Not to earn our salvation, but to receive a crown, to receive that well done, good and faithful servant, to receive a reward from him who's called us 
and set our course. Let's pray. In fact, why don't we just stand?